All right. Y'all ready? All right, so let's get to it. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Lost African, a.k.a. also known as the Afro Boy. Um, of course, as you guys know, I'm for the betterment of all black people, all Afro people. Uh, you don't have to be black to rock with us. We talk about anything and everything with anyone and everyone. Um, but today we're going to talk about um, the Dr. Uma interview. We're going to talk about the Dr. Umar interview that comes with a lot of pieces and various uh, ideas of racism and inter, interracial relationships. Um, we're going to talk about bits and pieces of his school, you know, activism, um, us taking responsibility for each other, the Joe Biden agenda, uh, the deals with um, racial disparities due to COVID. So we're going to get into all that. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about was that also seeing this uh, sort of clapback uh, from people who, whether they agree with Dr. Uma or not, particularly, they always bring up, but what's up with this school uh, this school has been building for about four, five, ten years, right? Okay, look, regardless of, you know, the time frame at which you feel it should be done, I'm going to talk about it like this. Marcus Garvey Frederick Douglass School, yes, people have, may have contributed money, you know, I'm sure. If you're talking about today's times, because if you're talking about right now, and if you're in the real estate, then you'll understand that the cost of these materials have went up due to inflation of the cost of everything going up. You know, if you want somebody to hear this conversation, please like, share, tag them, subscribe to me if you're watching from YouTube. Uh, follow me on Facebook, all those things. Follow me on Instagram, same handles. You hear me? Um, follow me on TikTok also. But back to it. So the cost of the materials to build this is like astronomically high. You know, in the interview, he says, he's like, the numbers that I'm getting for like HVAC, and it's just, it's, it's no like new construction, just the, the renovations cost like 300K. You know, and he gave a time frame saying that here's the thing. If us as a community, and this is very true, like this ain't even just about his school, this is us in general. If us in the community actually did group economics and volunteered our time, all the black folks that go to trade schools, volunteer your time, because he said it only takes about three weeks or so to do the renovations on his school. I don't know how factual that is, but you volunteer your time and then let's say black owned construction companies, black owned plumbing companies donate the materials. So you got one half donating their time to say, all right, I got a week to spare from this company. I got a week to spare from this company. I got a week to spare from this company. And it ain't, all, it ain't always about money to really get things moving. Uh, for people that, that do a lot of talk, I'll be like, why don't you volunteer your time? Do you got the skill? I, I don't like when people do that. Like, if you got a skill, volunteer your time. Go go down, especially if you live like in Philly, I believe that's where the school going to be located. And volunteer your time. Volunteer the materials. Like, it, it, it ain't that hard. It'd be crazy to me when I hear these things. And then you can finish the project and y'all can stop talking all this shit. Like, straight like that. You know, but and one of the things he said was, you know, take a responsibility for the things that we can change. 
For example, right? You can't change a set program system designed with hate. We can't change that. You got to tear that system down and make a new system. But what we can change as a people, whether you're talking about as human beings or you're talking more specifically as a black community, is that we can stop hating each other. Now that we can change. You can change that. Another example is that you can't change the set program that won't fund the money to become successful, right? They won't fund the money to become successful and be black and proud. Like it's, it's very hard to do that. It's it's hard to do that with my business now. Um, shout out to my business community resources. Um, I will be starting a Kickstarter soon, but if you want to do contributes to our business and my business community resources, um, you can cash out me. You can message me on my Facebook page, this one, or my blog page, and um, you can get the information from there. But just like in that, you know, but the solution to the fact that they won't fund us, we can be black and proud and fund ourselves. Like it's nothing about this is, is really hard. It's about you actually taking action outside of just speaking. Like I don't just speak. I've literally done a, a contest giving back to black businesses. I've gone to uh, protests. Like, I don't just speak through uh, a camera, through a lens, or, or on my show, or through audio. I really participate and really put actions into the things that I'm trying to create. Um, now, there is a lot of miseducation to the masses, and there's a lot of mislabelization to the masses. So, for instance, when we talk about miseducation, I've, I've heard this in real life like demographically and I can tell where you live and like you don't live in inner city. Most likely you don't live in inner city. So suburban schools may demographically be influenced by are going back at a higher rate than inner city schools. So this is what I got from um, the Chicago Tribune, like, cause I'm from uh, the city of Chicago, Illinois. So I, I like to make reference due to the city and the state that I'm in. You know, only 11% of school districts in Cook, Lake, DuPage, Kane, and Will are really participating in this sending their kids back to school. So like my niece was in high school, she's going back uh, two out of the five days. I don't like her schedule. I really feel like it should be in the beginning, but it is what it is. And I kind of thought about it, why they make them go back on Friday to make sure that they're, I guess, safe. Because, you know, like when Friday is sort of that, you sort of act, act a fool on Friday. So I, I kind of get it out the words. But there's been a push for the educational system versus uh, a equality of choice. Basically, when I say that over education, so there's like a competition. A competition of education over skill. And when you're talking about what has a more effective ability to push the community, especially at a quicker rate, it isn't that education isn't important. Education is very important. I always say this. We need doctors. We need lawyers. We need uh, accountants to run those aspects of the non-tangible or non-physical parts of the business and the communities. But here's the thing. School, schools push degrees down our, down our throat. 
Yes, it's helpful to be smart in multi-areas, but you need these hands. So this is where I agree um, with, as with aspects. Not every aspect. I agree with some aspects of Dr. Uma. This one is one of them. You need hands to survive life. Like my high school didn't talk to me in depth about, you know, trade. Like they, they didn't do that. They kept pushing college, college, and that you'll figure it out when you get there, right? But as soon as I get out of high school, between 18 and 20, that's pretty much like when you start talking to your parents about moving out of the house and be even when you live when you living in the dorm, that is the preset stage of you living your life. But I didn't have no, I didn't get no um skills or courses or lessons while I was in high school about how to live life. And nine times out of 10, our parents are working nine to fives. Like, yeah, you should take some time to teach your kids, but where do we, where do we spend the majority of our time? School is very similar to a job. People make this analogy all the time. School was designed to teach you how to be a worker. So if I'm spending eight, eight or more hours out of my day at a place outside of my home, then that place outside of my home should come with some curriculum to explain to me how to work through life. Something something useful that I can use to pay my bills, which is skills and trades. You know, so. It's um, estimate. Now, here's one of the things we're going to go into where they talk about. Um, the effects of the George Floyd trials and things of that nature. Over 100 plus shootings have estimated to be happening afterwards. And then we're going to go into um, the Biden's agendas and how this uh, co coincides because there is a, a thing about why the fact there hasn't been an executive order for black people. And I'm going to try to make this an example to make you understand where because I always feel like I understand the masses of the common black folk because I'm a common black man. Of what it is that we're saying. We're not anti anything. We've never been anti anyone else. We're just tired of feeling like we're not being acknowledged. And I get upset when I feel like me as a black man is not being acknowledged in the country that I'm supposed to be a citizen of, especially. Let alone outside of the diaspora. Like. It irritates my soul. But estimatedly, over 100 plus people have been shot right after the George Floyd trials. From the Chicago Tribune, there were six shootings in the first 24 hours afterwards. Because you got uh, like Micaiah Bryant was one. You got Dante Wright, which was another one. And there was another one that was mentioned in the interview. His name was uh, Anthony Thompson Jr. All these were like to me could have went a completely different ways in so many manners. But uh for the Biden executive order, which they pretty much call they call it the the COVID uh hate bill now, but this is the address from Biden that was made on March 19th, uh, pretty much a little bit over 30 days. March 19, 2021. To many Asian Americans, I have been walked up and down the streets. They have been walked up and down the streets in worry 
waking up each morning the past year, feeling their safety and safety of their loved ones are at stake. They have been attacked, blamed, scapegoated, and harassed. They've been verbally assaulted, physically assaulted, and killed. The conversation today that I've had with AAPI leaders, so that to me that's just like you that's that's their version of the NAACP or 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 like whatever country that is represented from them. And that we're hearing from all across the country that all across the country is that the violence is hidden often in plain sight and is often met with silence. This has been true throughout our history, but that has to change because our silence is complacent. We cannot be complacent. We have to speak out. We have to act. Now, this speech addresses what is going on through through COVID and who's supposed to be the, the main uh, victims and assaults of COVID, even though COVID affects everyone. But here's what it is. When I read this, I don't get... I don't get irritated um, with Asians. I feel sympathy. I have Asian friends, Asian homies. I feel sympathy and empathy for everything that they've gone through. What I need everyone else to understand that is that is not black is that he's literally addressed a community and literally made a speech that embodies the black experience for 400 years as if this this type of thing hasn't happened. But where, where has been the address for us even when, when he was VP, when he was VP? So like this is what we, that's, that's why we irritated. That's the shit that irritates us. Because we're like, okay, wait a minute. You said that they've been going through all this for 365 days. Uh, you know, no shortness on their time frame, but we've been going through this for 400 plus years. Like, like literally, like this is a literal statement. Like this, the stuff that we go through ain't happening yesterday. That's why we looking at everybody else. Like, bro, we've been telling y'all we've been going through this and that's the thing. We've been feeling ignored. It irritates me because sometimes I feel like they still view my people as a piece of property. And that is the most irritating feeling in the world. So one of the things, this is all on the whitehouse.gov. This is a government site, whitehouse.gov, where what is supposed to be addressed, even though they're naming it the COVID bill, is literally anti-Asian biased. They're supposed to have um, Asian-American survivors, domestic violence, and sexual assault funding. They're getting funding for this. A task force, like you know, what's a lot to to stamp the name task force on these things. A task force for um, and anaphobic against Asian Americans, like they're being super specific in this government website. It says WhiteHouse.gov, super specific. And you know, my whole thing is this: 
what I believe that my people as a mask are asking for is equal treatment. If I'm a citizen and these people are getting this, this, and this specifically, then why aren't we all getting this, this, and this? Because I love throwing the word minorities around and grouping us together when you want to. But when it comes to literally grouping us together and passing out bills and legislation that are supposed to be for everyone, it doesn't feel like that all the time. That's where that's where the the issues come in. We're not mad at the other people. We mad at the fact that the power that be and our government isn't treating us like everybody else. We are I am no longer in chains. I do not have chains on my wrists. I don't have chains on my feet. I am a man. My sisters, my sisters and brothers, they are, we are women. We are men and women. We deserve to be treated equally as human beings, truly, in every way, shape, or form. Like when y'all throwing these adverbs and words out, we like, yo, we deserve to be a part of this. Why are we not a part of this? Which is why, like, when I hear, um, the whole AAPE, AAPI leaders and people outside of the country stand up for them. This is where, this is why I fight so hard for the diaspora to, to step in. Like, this is where I go and be like, okay, so this is why we have abandonment issues with the diaspora, especially when it comes to the, the, the motherland about, we understand that y'all got stuff going on. I truly get that. I, I I read BBC and I understand that, that that COVID is affecting the motherland and, and Jamaica and the Bahamas and, and Central America and where all the other black people are. I, I get that. I, I truly get that. But if you're going to come over here the same way that they have a, a, a organization that specifically like speaks for their diaspora, where where is the the organization that speaks for us as a diaspora? Like like literally, where is the African diaspora uh, council of, of leaders who come and say, "Yo, um, what is going on for all our African descendant brothers and sisters for the African American? Yo, y'all can't be doing that. Y'all gotta be y'all gotta be smooth. Y'all gotta be cool with them, you know." Because these are our people, these are our kin. You can't do that. So that that's that's why I be like, yo, what's up? Where where's the hey? Y'all can't be doing that, African Americans. Y'all can't be doing that to uh, our Jamaicans. Y'all can't be doing that to our Afro Asians. Y'all can't. You know what I'm saying? Like we're like for real. Like you got. I want to. When you pick up that phone, like I want a community to be like, yo. They pick up that phone. Hey, why you why you messing with all our our brothers and sisters over there in, in the U.S. or wherever uh, the situation is. What's up with that? Um, I'm going to need y'all to fix that by Monday. Like, period. Like, a person owe you Monday and it's Sunday, hey, I need you to I need you to handle that by Monday. Stop playing with my care folk. Like, that's, that's how I feel like sometimes the energy should be, for real. And my whole thing is, which is why I be so hard on holding the people that you vote in the power to a way higher standard, man, call them on their BS, man, call them on the reason that I gave you my vote, because here's what a lot of people try to forget, the same way they try to, they try to come for this man, talking about some, it's unconstitutional, he gotta do this, and you gotta uh, de defend Kalama, however the hell you say her name, Kalama Harris, you gotta realize, this is the same man 
who literally said, I don't forget, I watch CNN, I watch the news. The main, the main man who said, if you don't vote for me, you are not black. So I'm going to need people. I don't care what. I am an independent. I do not represent any party. I go for what is in my face and what you have done. I watch people. I watch it. I watch Kamala. I'm, I'm waiting on the blackness because because that's that's was the momentum. He pushed that whole I got a black VP to get you a black vote. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Such 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 such. But yet, these actions for the reason that you wanted our vote so bad, I have not received the gratitude from that. We ain't received the gratitude from that. And I'm I'm I really get irritated with my people be like, I'll be like, man, hold up, bro. Y'all be doing all this for him and what love at? Where's the love in return? You you checked his name on the box. What legislation at? Like for instance, they haven't passed the Emmett Till lynching act. They ain't passed that. Emmett Till. They ain't passed that. They ain't passed the George, George Floyd Policing Act. They ain't passed that. But they passed the COVID Hate Act or bill. They passed that though. That jumped on their priority list like a mug, right? Excuse me. You gotta have some some progressing for everything, like, and I feel like our issues again are gonna get put on. Like the fact that they still voting on the anti-Emmett Till lynching act really upsets me because that means that legally, if you try to call and say that um, the cause of death was a lynching, like literally, the cause of death is classified like I lynch him. Technically, it said that you're not supposed to go to jail. And no, I didn't murder him. I didn't murder him. I lynched him. So you can't do anything about that. Under my constitutional rights and under my legal rights. I didn't murder him. I lynched him. You know how upset that makes me as a black man? Like, do y'all not understand this? Now, um, again, they also send shots to the the Congressional Black Caucus, which I I I'll always keep my people on, on pins and needles. I hold them to the standard. If you're going to take these positions that are supposed to really represent us, then you're supposed to really go hard for for uh, your people. Like you're literally called the Congressional Black Caucus, so that means that you are supposed to. Yes, I understand that's supposed to be justice for all, and we all American citizens and human beings. I rock with all of that. What I'm saying is you're called the Congressional Black Caucus. So why are we demanding legislation like the AAPEI? Like is it like he literally said it in the speech? They called me and said, Hey, let, let me holler at you about something. Like that's literally the energy I got from the speech. Now, um, you need to understand something about um what they call qualified immunity. That is another big thing outside of all the shootings that have been happening right after the uh, Joyce Floyd trials and the conviction of um, Devin Chauvin. They still have qualified immunity. Um, That basically means that police shooting happens. That means that there is no um, 
concrete, like you can send them straight to jail. There has to be a process. They have a, a leeway with qualified immunity. You know, that's where civil suits come out of. Now, what I do agree with is that when they were talking about like defunding the police and all of that, when it comes to civil suits, it comes out of the police pensions and out of po police unions. And the reason why I agree with that to an extent is because just think about it. I help I, you will watch where you aim if you know that if this goes left and you are convicted, yo, I'm on your ass about your pension. And the union about to get, get busted. Like you will watch how carefully people aim when they say that's like saying, I you still you on probation and you about to get fired. Like I guarantee people will start watching how they aim then. I guarantee you they will watch how they aim then. Now, one of the things I want people to be aware of is that there has been, this is actually passed in Florida, because I looked it up, a anti-riot bill. The reason why this concerns me is because this is what it is. Florida Senate passes a anti-riot bill. Um, there is a political figure. Her name is Cara Gross, the director of ACLU Florida. This is how it goes. Those individuals who do not engage in any violent conduct under the bill can still be arrested, like straight up arrested and charged with third degree felony facing um, up to like five years in prison and loss of voting rights. Do you know how like impactful that is? That means you spend an entire term, presidential term, you spend an entire presidential term in jail, five years, and you lose your voting rights after you get out. So even after that term is over with, let's say you get out a year earlier, you can't even vote. Do you see how harmful that is? And again, who is the ones that are in mass incarceration? When we talk about mass incarceration, who are these people? Some say they are POCs, but if you want to be more specific, it's black people and then it's Latino people. So imagine what that does. And one state has already tried to pass this. I believe there's another one. So y'all following me when I say you got to pay attention to these things? Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is where he goes into um, racial disparity or interracial relationships, right? So I've literally witnessed this on social media. In regards to, there is a complexity when it comes to how biracial or mixed people deal with uh, their social identities and their identity in general. They, a lot of them will tell, they, they say it. Bro, growing up, it was complex for me in some way, shape, or form. I have issues with whether it be my my black side me being this or my white side with me being this they, they always say that they have some form of identity crisis or issues growing up in their country being mixed all right i hear that a lot but he goes and says um he brings up naomi camel now naomi not my, my bad not naomi camel naomi osaka 
Now, Naomi Osaka is a black woman. She identifies as a black woman, even though she's biracial. She is black or Haitian, to be more specific. And she's, Jap she's Japan, Japanese. So here's the thing with this. She is an Olympic um, contestant. She's an Olympic contender. And she, they said she has to represent Japan. It says she has to represent Japan because she was born in Japan. I don't really feel like that is fair because how can you tell me? You, I feel like you're forcing me. It's not that she probably doesn't love being Japanese or love her mother who is Asian. But I feel like if I identify as black, and, you know, I rock this way. My identity is this way. I should be able to go and out and represent my blackness. And if that's the form of putting on the Haitian flag, I'm going to put on my, I should be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I should be able to do that. But hold on, we're going to take a real quick break and then we're going to get back into it. 